Hey, podcast listeners, Alicia here. If you haven't already, before you listen to this one, make sure you go back and listen to part one of Crystal and I's review of Sex, Love, and Goob. We're going to continue this awesome, awesome conversation, but we want to make sure that you haven't missed out on anything. But if you've already listened, welcome to the show. Welcome everyone. You are tuned into the Good Sex Podcast. I am your host, the First Love Doctor, also known as Crystal Williams. Shout out to the hubby. Okay. My name is Alicia Olatunde. I'm the owner and operator of Whole Intimacy and shout out to my boo. But girl, mm-hmm. why are we here? We are here because we are women. Yes. We are Christian. Period. But we still want to talk about sex. Girl, all the sex, okay? Amongst our friends, people are talking about how someone should have the conversation. Mm-hmm. But we're here to have the conversation. Absolutely. And as if that weren't already taboo enough, mm-hmm. we get to integrate our vocational experience in the field of psychology. Absolutely, because Jesus, uh-huh. psychology yes. and sex, completely a thing totally a thing because sex is still God's idea girl (laughs) so in this sex by work that they're doing on this documented documentary they are really emphasizing um you learning your body and for many people learning in the context of this modality, even though it is not necessarily evidence-based, it has freed people who are experiencing difficulties physically, you know, whether it be like, um, Michaela talked about people with like tight ligaments or a lack of magnesium, you know, people who have experienced birth trauma or surgery or physical violation, like, It helps you to learn in a clinical way. It's like an exercise in um, teaching a skill set. Yeah. (laughs) If you could try to separate, I think sometimes it's weird to say this in the context of sex talk, but sometimes we sexualize things um, or we pervert things that probably is more so what I mean. We pervert things that it ain't that deep. So they're demonstrating actually physically touching their client. They're demonstrating certain things for the purposes of instruction and information for them to take home. Um, And I think that what they're encouraging is you can do some of this exploration on your own. The saints gonna stone me. Hmm. <laughs> they gonna stone me, but I, I, I have made room for this in my heart. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I think what was so powerful was seeing Shanda's breakthrough because any type of penetration for her was always painful. Painful. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that, again, uh, we, even when we introduce what sexological body work is, whether that's trauma from birth, whether that maybe someone was molested or raped, how these emotional, psychological things manifest themselves mm-hmm. in our bodies and we yeah. don't know how to mm-hmm. release that or experience mm-hmm. positive touch. So mm-hmm. again, like that's why I said in the beginning, I understand that their orientation is different than mine, but what I'm able to see through this is just how much our mental and what yeah. we think physically yeah. manifests itself in ways yeah. um and that why why I'm so passionate about like um CBT or modalities that third third wave modalities that have come out of that like DBT and maybe and even act some um about how if we can change what we think mm-hmm. how that will dramatically change our lives see and the thing that I don't know that we are even in um, the world of psychology, this is feeling like new development, newer development anyway. It's like, you know, we do a lot of work, which we would consider like top down, you know, brain down into body, head, mind down into body. And as Christians, I noticed that a lot of what we're preaching and teaching and the messaging is around like, you know, renew your mind and everything else will follow. We're not really making space for a conversation about bottom up work. Yep. So how so much of what we are experiencing, especially traumatically is stored in the body. And so the body will remember something and respond even before the brain has a chance to process. And so some of this work we have to explore in the body, in the autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so the work that they're doing in sex bod is actually addressing what is happening for people somatically that is a barrier and becomes a barrier psychologically. Like, so it's very nuanced. You have to have a conversation with an individual that says, what's going on here with you? What is happening for you? What are you experiencing? And then approach that the way Jesus did. He made every conversation personal. What he did for one, he did not always do for another. And so who are we to say, nobody gets this level of treatment or attention. This is completely out of, out of bounds and out of pocket and off. You know, what we don't get to, we don't get to determine that. What do you need? And what discovering is that there are people who need to explore some of what they're experiencing physically, physically. So like you're talking about the example of Chandra. Is it Chandra? Yes. Because she she was um, not black and her name's Chandra. But anyway, (laughs) girl, sorry. So (laughs) for Chandra experiencing this physical pain, which albeit was psychological first, they discovered that it was tied to the shame from, again, she grew up a Jehovah's Witness. So being told that her sexuality was evil and, um, you know, yes, 
So mm-hmm. internalizing that messaging, she began to believe that she was evil and icky and that, that, that. And so any penetration for her was physically, it became physically painful. And in the sex by, by exercise, Darshana was able to um, penetrate her fully. Again, this is totally clinical. She's wearing gloves. It's one directional. Her mm-hmm. partner was in the room. Like, but she experienced penetration without pain through this intervention Mm -hmm. and it was for her not so much sexually gratifying it was but even more so emotionally and psychologically she cried she's crying and Darshana said to her your tears or was it Camille your tears and your orgasm are not separate yeah, she said that to Camille. That was so powerful. Was that not beautiful? Man. And that these new levels in, she said, in emotion, or it, was, it wasn't her, it was someone else. I think that was Jaya. The new levels in emotion open up doors in intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it's all interconnected. Um, and so, yeah, I think we even saw um, Erica. Yep. Erica experienced um, breakthrough in this as well. Like we heard her talking earlier about like you, you quoted her saying, can I have an orgasm before I have a baby? She hadn't had an orgasm or had only had like two in her adult life or something and not from penetration. And so they did the exercise with her and she became emotional because what Jaya identified for her was she was associating um, penetration with having a pap smear yeah but she was also being shamed because she had more clitoral hood and because she was never fully aroused yeah was the issue because it was like okay I'm gonna touch you and then I'm gonna kind of kiss you and then okay sex 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 yeah and like she was never ready and he actually said your clitoris is small yes her husband said yeah so she no my clitoris is not small you just not arousing me now put that in your pipe and smoke it he got real intense I'm sorry (laughs) so yeah like oh that's a good point I'm glad that you said that Jaya was like anytime someone talks about someone's genitalia being small I always think to myself no it's probably that they're not being aroused like yeah so work at the arousal aspect oh god that was really deep too all in all like they're saying like one party in this work is focusing on giving the body support Mm-hmm. and learning so that the body can open up without this fear and shame and tension. Right. The other party, meaning the client, is learning how to experience and receive pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's your role in this work as the client. Learning how to receive pleasure, period. That's your job. The idea that we got to learn how to experience pleasure, Alicia. Girl. You know what I thought about? Saints going to get your pebbles ready. I said, God, one of the primary things that I struggle with in my faith walk with God is simply receiving his love. 
I just I just heard the bowler someone use the catapult at my head yeah absolutely do what thy wilt just don't be surprised when I return fire and I don't use okay (laughs) and now I'm bringing in Smith and Wesson okay because I ain't said it (laughs) here's the thing no I'm not gonna respond respond in love help me holy ghost I literally said to God like I've been fighting you my whole Christian walk to earn your love. I got to do enough. I got to be enough. I got to give enough. I got to serve enough. I got to say enough. I got to pray enough. I got to slay enough. Like for you to love me. And he's saying it's free. It's the same thing. And like, hey, you want this? How much it costs me? No, I just want to give it to you. No, no, no. no, But how much it costs? What I got to do for it? Alicia. Huh? No, no, I just we, we all we always think that, that the other the other person has an ulterior motive yeah. or they're trying to get one over on us. Literally. So yeah. I'm like, if I don't even know how to receive free love from God, I can see why I would have trouble learning how to receive pleasure. Thinking I always gotta do something or buy something or give something or earn something or so I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, help me, Holy Ghost. Like I'm not trying to be irreverent. I really am not saints of God. I love Jesus too. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, we got to be more careful about this messaging. We got to be careful about what we're teaching one another about pleasure. Because I believe that God delights in us experiencing pleasure. And the fact that we got to learn how to just receive it to the point that some of us are traumatized so much so that physically it's manifesting in our bodies. That's a problem. We got to That's a problem. Like, and we got to start communicating that God's love is free and yeah. delight comes with that. Joy comes with that. Pleasure comes with that. And so wife. Single. Wife, single too. Oh, oh. Because you don't got to be married to not feel like you can receive all of that. That's you may have had sexual shame. You may have had issues with what you said or abortion, whatever your issue is. God's mm-hmm. love is still freely given to you. That's true, Alicia. And if we can't practice that in singleness, that's going to show up in, in our marriage. Oh, Alicia, if we could, this is why the pastors be saying, I wish I could say it like I feel it. Hello? Tune me <laughs> up, Doc. Where the organ at? I'm a, insert organ in, uh, sound right here. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Help okay. us. No, really help us, God, because that's why we're here. We really need to, oh, we really need to remain like prayerful, like that, like oh, that is so much our heart. Is like we want people to know, like God came up with this. Yep. <laughs> Period. Point and the blank. Come up with this. God did not design the clit exclusively for pleasure. For us to be talking about pleasure is simple. Why are we saying that? Or that sex is just for procreation. Stop this. Stop saying that, whether you overtly saying it or implicitly saying it, explicitly, whatever. Stop. 
all of the all of the all of it stop that and honestly I really believe I'm saying that I'm saying stop that let me calm down forgive me saying no stop (laughs) I'm saying here's what I'm saying because if you could just stop that you probably would here's what I'm saying right oh help us holy ghost what I'm saying is If you are struggling to believe God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness is free for you, you will project that idea onto others. Absolutely. Please drag yourself to the cross. And And to a counselor. (laughs) And it's Christian counselor. Beg God for a revelation of his truth seriously like you got to get that down in your shine or not because whether you're speaking it out of your mouth or you're communicating it in your attitude your posture of heart you know like we gotta be careful with that messaging yeah because this shows up in our intimate relationships it shows up everywhere else too but this this podcast is called the good sex podcast that's what we talking about here so we address that that is a thinking distortion psychologically but it's a perversion of the truth of god spiritually and we have to that's that's sin we cannot we cannot misrepresent god's free gift okay we can't sell that Mm. stop that We can't manipulate people into doing what we want them to do and calling it God. Stop that. Ooh. I'm going to calm down. Now I'm being preachy. I'm not trying to do this. But it's a necessary statement. (sighs) If y'all have made it this far, God bless you. Let's just go on to the last. (laughs) God help us. This is the longest episode in life. Okay. Episode five. You ready? oh god i'm just like that uh, that was just good yes let me jump one of the things jaya said was i'm jumping in the same vein okay one of the things jaya said was arousal and fertility are linked yes she did oh my god i almost lost it yes she did because remember erica was having some conflict around like her husband Damon's family being like, when are you gonna have kids? Da, 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 da. Yes. Like, am I gonna have an orgasm before I have a baby? Um, so they did her sex bod work. Mm-hmm. She discovered like these associations that she was making um with having a pap smear and then with uh Lord help me, <laughs> and then with uh shame around her good yeah Mm -hmm. so okay one of the things that I wanted to know was her having this breakthrough around the fact that she was physically bracing her for sex Mm -hmm. or before penetration and that was tensing up her entire body Mm-hmm. which I can imagine why that would make penetration not enjoyable or maybe even painful in some aspects. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm. Oh, no, go ahead. Cause I, I want you to finish what you said first. I was just going to say, like, 
I'm wondering how common that is for women. I think it is. And I think that her response of, I have been bracing myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. She couldn't even move forward in the, in the work because she was just, she started crying. And of course, Jaya paused, like, you know, what is going on? What are you experiencing right now? She's just like, just trying to wrap her head around, like, how long have I been bracing myself? Because it was so, okay, here's the thing. What Jaya, oh, y'all gotta watch it. Jaya, what she did was, she had her describe, like, what are you feeling? What sensations? What She described them. And she was like, it's almost like, I hate to use this word, but like, when you get in the pap smear. And Jaya was like, so where are you feeling it? She's like, tension in my legs and my feet clenching. She said, so imagine when you're getting a pap smear, your feet are in the stirrups and your mm-hmm. legs. Are, and it was like the whole picture, everything yeah. that Erica was describing she was experiencing in this moment was literally mirroring what happens in the doctor's office. That's the association that she was making. And that's what was happening. So when women are having trouble being fully present in sex and then not being able to enjoy it, when we say things to them, like, to your point, your clit is too small or um, get out of your head or... Um, as if I would, if I could easily get out of my head, I wouldn't I choose would. that. Are you serious? Who wouldn't? Or even things like, you know, even when you don't want to, can we go here? Oh, father. Even when you don't want to, you got to get yourself ready. Ooh, so double-edged sword on that one. Come on, let's do it. Double-edged sword. On the one hand, there are times where... You cannot will yourself. Mm-hmm. You cannot. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. I do think that there's also something to be said about when you begin the act and mm-hmm. when full arousal happens, mm-hmm. that you naturally fall into that. I think mm-hmm. both things are true. You naturally say you naturally fall into that. Help me. Like your that. your body, um, if it is not like maybe something mentally that is blocking us, mm-hmm. if it's just like, I'm really sleepy right now, but I'm not completely oh. closed off to the idea. Yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Yeah. And so like when you begin, when that skin to skin happens and all of those things start to spark and all of those like, you know, neurons start to firing, then you can move into the sexual experience and the sleepiness kind kind of goes away. So I'm I not talking that. about from a yeah. psychological standpoint, but you. if like you are like in that, the freeze part of the fight, flight or freeze, or like even the flight part of it then yes like do not use that damaging or damning language of you just need to do it especially if they're expressing something like that for sure like I think maybe the distinction we can make is like if if you are experiencing like re-traumatization or trigger um that's very different than I'm tired or I don't feel like it or I'm gonna fake a headache right Okay, good distinction. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Um, Even though, like, I do think sometimes, like, if you're tired, sometimes, I think that you should say that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you should. I think it's okay to have these conversations in our marriages. 
Oh, absolutely. I think sometimes, like, I remember, like, thinking, like, before I was married, like, faking a headache. And I just thought that was so absurd or whatever. (laughs) I think, like, it's, like, moms and stuff who be real tired. Like, I've been doing a lot today. Like, I'm I'm physically exhausted. Well, uh, I mean, I could think of a time where I just was like, okay, like, I'm going to initiate. And then he was like, I mean, because it, it, you know, as a doctor, like, you know, he, he works very variable hours and he was like I really can't today can I get you tomorrow and I think it's all about communication yeah now don't get me wrong though I still felt it as rejection in the moment because I just was like I have put myself out there but Mm -hmm. honestly I feel like it's one of those scenarios where people will say I would rather my feelings be hurt because you told me the truth than just my feelings to be hurt just because yes or like you lied because you lied absolutely I mean because I think it's an exercise in vulnerability Mm -hmm. and even like what you said like I can think of times where you know even outside the context of sex with my husband where I have said like you know no I don't want to but I will or um you know I mean, I I appreciate what you're saying. This is how I heard it. So it did hurt or it did sting. I think like communicating that is not even always for him to do something about it. But I think that it's cool for us to have that kind of dialogue where we can be honest. I mean, obviously you want to use wisdom and that you don't have to be sharing every single little feeling. But I mean, I think that like that is a part of intimate connection. It's like communication. Um. And so I think that like saying like, you know, I'm actually really tired tonight. I think that that's fair. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I would rather communicate that than like, again, pushing myself to my detriment. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that that has to become a habit. Like if I need to make some adjustments in my life so that the rhythm of my life supports intimacy with my husband okay that's a different conversation I can't Absolutely. be saying yes to everything else all day and telling him no every night right I mean I or in the morning yeah facts whatever floats your boat <laughs> I mean I can do that but that's going to present as a barrier eventually Absolutely. you know and then you're going to be you're going to be living those whatever consequences come with that so that's of course your choice um but like I think that yeah, we, it's a slippery slope. We just have to be careful. Like, obviously, this is not a one size fits all. But again, we're promoting conversation. So like, you know, let's say this particular day, like you're not feeling like, you know, the sexiest. That was something that came up in the documentary. Like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling heavier today. And it don't, might not have to be my period. It might just have to might be I ate some and I feel bloated. I'm not feeling all that hot today. I think saying that like, is really, really, I think that that, that can have profound, impl- profound implications. It could either, it could either help your spouse say, oh, okay, babe, like we don't, we could do something else tonight or what, or your spouse could be like, girl, I don't care nothing about that stuff. Bring that I was stuff about to here. say <laughs> how the partner responds will be a key um linchpin if you will of mm-hmm. how things progress in the future that's a good because point. if it's if it's well I'm feeling kind of blood today I don't care nothing about that like come do what you need to oh like, my god or if it's it's your duty as my 
as my wife to spouse no not even just women yeah if you don't do this then you are leading me into the temptation of sin and cheating on you and first of all that no people believe that oh jesus people actually believe that that's a way i've heard the term like defrauding your spouse and like yeah it's just it's in i think it's a term in scripture yeah defraud. like i don't i don't want to misquote the scripture y'all i'm sorry let me just keep it okay what i'm saying is i have heard people say that i cheated on my spouse because they did not give me sex if that don't sound like a toddler not getting a toy in the store <laughs> so it's like people do believe that and say that so i don't know i guess what we're saying essentially is like this is a conversation and like you said how the spouse responds in that moment yeah because you you could turn that thing around for your good hello or you might just need to say okay babe i got you tomorrow you know what i'm saying like conversation okay you want to go to episode five yes episode five is thank the past can we just have a moment of silence for that title thought that was so beautiful thank the past so this is the one where we told y'all is a little different this couple wasn't exploring um sex directly yeah but it was was more so they were in a new relationship they both had been married before um so sarah identifies as queer and then dash i is uh, identifies as non-binary with the pronouns of there. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I just, yeah, they there. I was like, mm-hmm. what is the? I'm missing one. They and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just about Tell the Saints. About, I don't know if they all know what you're talking about. Okay. So someone who identifies as non-binary um is they are not identifying with their gender assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sometimes can be um, difficult to listen to or accept. Um, but again, we are not going to, you know, tell them that they are wrong. That is how they feel about them themselves. Um, and so we believe that if we are a respecter of persons, if they ask us to refer to them as they and theirs, then I'm going to respect you as a human being. Essentially, it's your choice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, God gave us free will to choose. Yeah, so I'm. I don't get to tell you what to choose. I don't get right. to tell you what to choose to believe about God, about yourself. I don't get to do that. And so, if that is what you believe, I'm not about to debone nobody and beat them up with a Bible. What is hmm. happening? Okay, so I'm gonna respect how they choose to identify and honor hmm. their request to refer to them as they. Or there. It doesn't cost me anything to be kind. It doesn't mean I love Jesus any less. It doesn't mean my salvation is revoked. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. They just don't identify as male or female. There you go. Okay. That's, I'm glad you said that because some people are like, wait, what does that mean, non binary? Okay. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. You were telling us about Dash and Sarah. They were both. uh, So Sarah was talking about how in her previous relationships that she would cheat so she could leave. 
Yeah. And not even that she would tell the person that she cheated. Mm -mm. She would just cheat so she could have grounds within herself to Mm -hmm. leave. Mm-hmm. And Dash focused more on just being avoidant in relationships. Um, anytime like um, anybody would get too close to them mm-hmm. that it would just be like, okay, no, that's mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. going on about your, about your life. And mm-hmm. so it just was very interesting uh, how this, we talk about family constellations in, you know, in our training. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I have I don't think that I pictured it in this way I definitely didn't learn this at school no (laughs) not this way Mm -hmm. um and so it it is definitely so family constellations is something that is practiced within the counseling space but the holistic um manner in which Katarina um was she what did she say Kato was was her nickname yeah I found it so interesting that she said I saw this work I didn't believe that it really worked and the only mm-hmm. way that I was going to believe it was if I did it for myself yeah and now this is what she does full-time yep <laughs> and can we I also talk that. about how it came from a Zulu tribe facts that Isn't the the man who created wait can it. I ask you something real quick yes Cause I was like, can I say anything critical about this documentary? Documentary? Is there anything I didn't like? Mm-hmm. And I had to tell the truth. I couldn't think of nothing. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. I did kind of feel some type of way, a little something, a little bit, when she was talking about like the origins of the practice. Yeah. And the guy who studied it, mm-hmm. like a uh, Bert Hellinger, I think was his name, and he was yep. a missionary with a Zulu tribe for like 16 years mm-hmm. and then he like noticed their healing like observed their healing ceremonies and then came back to the states and developed this modality and I was like he ain't developed nothing he stole it <laughs> <laughs> I had a little moment <laughs> okay sis said we in black history month and what you not gonna do <laughs> What you not gonna do is not give credit where credit is due. <laughs> he was a Jesuit priest and yeah. a psychoanalyst, which was yeah. really interesting too. But yeah, um, that did kind of rub me a, a bit. I can't lie. I was like, they always want to try to steal some, and I had to calm down. Okay. I just but we to- still giving a mad side eye though. Uh-huh. We are. But it was still interesting. So, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish, but. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so basically what the practice entails um, is, so there are people who are called resonators. um, And so they are people who know nothing about the people, the clients that are coming. They know nothing about their life circumstances. Um, They are literally just basically conduits um for the client and so um what was very interesting um as you watch the episode is that you see that the conduit doesn't have a gender and so there were times where where the client um chose a man to represent a maternal figure now the man didn't know that but the uh, feelings that were emoted still were spot on 
for so, what? So essentially, it's a form of group therapy. Yes. They have this area called the field where, you know, yes. there's the client and the, the practitioner or the facilitator. So Cato's the facilitator. The client in this case was either Dash um, or Sarah. Sarah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they did it individually. They didn't do it at the same time. Yes. Um, so first was Dash with Cato as the facilitator. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is everyone else that's in the space, it wasn't a room, they were outdoors. Everyone else is, is available to be what you described as a resonator, which mm-hmm. is this conduit by which different members of their family, their lineage can come visit. through. Yeah. yeah. And come through. I like that language. Um, and basically like demonstrate some behavior um, for this person, the client to witness generationally. So it's like the client walks up to a person in the field, puts one their of, hand on their back, yep, resonator, and says, You are gonna represent no. They didn't oh, say they that. They don't say it. You're right. They just. Mm. So, okay. Cato tells the client, go whispers, go pick someone to represent you. Right. When the client goes, pick someone that resonator doesn't know who they are representing. Right. They just stand present in proxy as a conduit for whoever this is to come through. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Keep going. And so um, Dash stood behind the woman and just kind of like thought the thoughts um, that were relevant for the situation that they were wanting some resolve in and just held their hands on on her back. And it was just interesting to watch her literally turn into Dash. And how it was well, like, it was like, whoa. Because Dash seemed to be skeptical a bit, too. Oh, absolutely. And and had no problem with articulating the skepticism. So when they picked this woman to represent them and then watched the woman begin to present with these characteristics and speak things that they were feeling and believing dash was like whoa wait a minute but i mean even and i know that i feel like some of the saints gonna be like well that's demonic no (laughs) because if you think (laughs) about it it. hello but if you think about it all through scripture where we see how and i feel like we talk a lot about like how like maybe like the de- the demon possessed the boy and he threw him down and caused him to seize and then God cast or Jesus cast it out and then threw it mm-hmm. into the pigs. Mm-hmm. But we also think about how like the Holy Spirit is living within us. Yeah. And it's I think that when we talk about spirit, it's always a negative term because I think it's so it's such a such an existential thought that you have to have about it. And so people are afraid to necessarily accept the existential thought. Well, I think they can accept it. It just still seems demonic. Like a spirit doesn't inhabit a body unless it's taking possession. And that's what demons do. But what about the Holy Holy Spirit? Spirit? 
that was going to say the only other spirit that indwells a body is the Holy Spirit. So they probably are saying all them other spirits is illegal. But who said that? That's what the saints say in the Bible. The saints going to say the Bible says (laughs) you getting off into all that Zulu and all that ancestry. (laughs) (laughs) And the ancestors is coming through and all of that. Uh uh. Mm. I'm just saying. And here's the thing. When I was watching it, I did. I'm not gonna lie. I did. Um, at first I was like, okay, what is okay now? Hold up. You know, <laughs> what we doing here? Um, at the same time, I, you know, where my mind went was where? to, it went more so to like spiritual work that I've seen in, um, the work of empaths. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm going to be fully transparent. One of my spiritual giftings, my highest spiritual gifting is discernment. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes the Lord will allow me to discern certain things. And oftentimes he'll even move on me emotionally. I'll be experiencing an emotion that's not necessarily mine. And it's been a really cool tool for me in prayer. Like it has really allowed me to intercede for people in a way that is much more of a travail. Like, you know. It's not that same old girl, I pray for you, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this is really ugh, like this. Okay, let's pray, you know, let's pray. Um, So that's where my mind instantly went was like, I do know what it's like to um resonate in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like. um, Almost like what's the scripture that talks about bearing one another's burdens? Mm you know, like really actually like feeling with someone sitting with someone. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's what they were doing in this modality, but it's just there. This is both sides of the thought. Yep. That's what happened. I was at first I was like, ah, and then I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down, slow down, breathe. (laughs) Let's just, let's just be curious here. And I was like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm normally looking for the hard line. Right. You know, it's like, no, you know, anything across this line is illegal. It's evil, the devil, you know, like, but I was like, let me try. um, Let me try to see what I can discover here. And so I'm not saying whether or not the practice was good or bad, right or wrong, up or down. Right. Whatever. That's not what we're here to to discover today. I just let myself continue to be curious because I thought, okay. I could see how that might translate. I could see how. Yeah, yeah. I also can understand how, as Christians, we would feel an aversion to to this particular episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I I definitely don't negate that at all. But I think because we went into it with curious minds, it's also like, huh. Mm -hmm. Just to see, like, the lineage and to see, like, how her excuse me, not her. I'm thinking I'll jump to Sarah. Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking about her great grandmother. So for Dash's mother and then Cato also brought in, um, the grandfather and the grandmother of Dash. Oh mother. yeah. 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 Um, and just understanding how, 
that avoidance mm-hmm. was passed down that way. Yeah. It just was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I I thought it was cool for them to note that this practice was about I think how she put it was exploring like negative behavior patterns that have been passed down through generations. So it's like for them to be able to see these resonators embodying the spirit of Mm -hmm. whatever this family member is that they might not have ever even met because they went back several generations a few times. It helped explain to them some of their behaviors. Right. And even Dash was explaining like, this is helping me to see that some of these behaviors that I have identified as mine are not mine. It's just something that I have taken on from generations past. And now I can make a distinction between like what I want and what they wanted or what I'm doing and what they were doing. And I can stop that behavior. The moment that I, the thought that I had in that moment was how people will dispute the internalized trauma that black people carry which is weird because we say stuff like and i bind the generational curse well what do you think (laughs) internalized trauma like what do you like you don't believe in these patterns passed down and this generate trauma and these but you binding and rebuking generational curses i don't understand but okay I'm just saying, yeah. Who child? So, and even even when we read in scripture, like it's it's saying statements like the sins of the father's visit. It's like, what do you think that's talking about? Anyway, okay. So heavenly minded, we not earthly good, but oh god, oh god, we are so hard on the saints today, ain't we? (laughs) I mean, we not exempt. That I'm glad you said that, Alicia. I think people be thinking I'm saying we exempt when I no, say no, absolutely not. We're not exempt at all. I can criticize the saints because I am one of the saints. <laughs> Listen, <sighs> we criticizing ourselves as the church. We got to do better, y'all. We we got to do better. So one of the things that um Michaela said to comment about uh the family constellations Mm -hmm. um, therapy was that we get a series of imprints from our upbringing, specifically from how we were loved. First love, she said. Attachment theory. How about attachment theory? It's one of my babes. (laughs) She said, then you're either going to rebel against that or want that. And dare I say, I think both. Girl, because I can't tell you how many times I've had revelation around like something that I thought I was rebelling against and then went straight toward it. Yep. Girl. Mm-hmm. All based on how I was first loved. Isn't that something? I thought that was just so great. So she was saying that this work, family constellation work, Helps us to see that by examining what our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents did. That we get to actually watch it be played out in front of us. So, yeah, I thought that was super, super dope. So, you mentioned Sarah. We can talk about Sarah real quick. Um, What was really cool about Sarah's experience in the field was that she chose, like you said, 
and she didn't seem to do it intentionally she just kind of mm-hmm. felt like it was just okay i'm just this is what i feel like. she chose um a male to resonate as her mother yes and a and woman as her father yeah and it still came through accurately when that woman who played her father turned around and said i am uninterested wasn't that something and what's happening back here but all of these other people yeah i was like whoa so her you're saying that because her father actually was he had cheated on her mom and they got Mm -hmm. a divorce and he continued like he i guess he was like habitually cheating yes so, um, yeah, what came through was like her father, which is being portrayed again by a resonator that was female, was like, yeah, I'm uninterested in her, mm-hmm. meaning Sarah, or the, his wife. Right. <laughs> I'm interested in what's going on all back here and looking at all the other resonators. And she said she even said, like, I kind of feel like a like I'm on the prowl. Yes. I said, oh, shit, her cheater pumpkin eater (laughs) Mm -hmm. but even what was even more profound is and I feel like this is what you often hear with single parents how they put so much pressure unintentionally or intentionally but unintentionally on the child and like how to the child's detriment at times because they are often so reminded about the partner that hurt them and all yeah. of that impact that they're putting onto that child and how that child now internalizes all of that in a way that feels so overwhelming. Yeah, that's good, Alicia. Like y'all got to watch it because they actually demonstrate mm-hmm. how Sarah was experiencing her mother and how her mother experienced her mother. And it's mm-hmm. basically showing that the grief that the grandmother was experiencing, she was pouring it all on the child yes meaning sarah's mother and then that came down through the bloodline yes all the way to sarah and so there's this pattern of you know grief that people are displacing onto the children and the children trying to bear up under that weight being too much pressure as a matter of fact sarah's mother actually describes sarah as her light and you were the answer and so sarah actually grew up feeling this pressure to be her mom's all in all like her mom lost her husband and had nothing else and so she had to be everything that her mother needed and how that has begun to translate in sarah's behavior now um where i think in romantic relationships you know anytime it would get just uncomfortable or rough or whatever for her the fun is gone the thrill is gone and she's had enough pressure from taking care of her mama she's mm. not doing none of that uh-uh so that's where she would do this behavior of cheating her to leave. father oh that's good okay talk about that so she the father was uninterested in her and again that's what i talked about how we either we we do both we run away from it, but we also That's good. do the same things. Mm-hmm. So while there was no real connection there between Sarah and her father, she still had the same attributes that her father portrayed That's good. in order to escape all of that pressure. Yeah. Ooh, 
that is what is considered generational pattern or what scripture might refer to as a generational curse. You don't even have to have physical intimate connection with your father and somehow his behavior still move through to you and are exhibited in yours. Absolutely. That's why this this therapy was like, oh, okay, I gotta watch. Okay, I gotta watch this. I can't just skip this episode. This is good, and that impacted her romantic relationship with Dash because what, there was all of them. Yes, yes, but and this was a new relationship for them. Exactly. So she saying, "I don't want to do what I've done in all the other ones. I want this one to work." Right. But if they didn't do this work that pattern would have repeated and she might not have even understood why exactly. do I keep doing Absolutely. And then here's Dash like avoidant and I don't want to deal with it or talk about it anyway. And if it gets to emotion, I'm just going to shut down or disappear, you know? So it's like, they were both saying like, I want to do it differently. That was something that I thought was so cool that Dash said, um, right. Was it at the end? No, it wasn't at the end. I want to find it because it was so good. Okay, that's what it was. Um, that said, in my life, I've had an innate wanting to run away from emotion. So this line that I'm witnessing and getting to watch, this sort of keeping one another at a bit of a distance and not being able to really hold other and comfort one another I see it really clearly and I see it in a way that I want to break because I want closeness with people Mm. so witnessing what was happening in the field with their family generations before them was like okay me getting to see this like this is empowering me to break this because I do want closeness with people. I don't want to run from emotion. I don't want to distance myself. I don't want to miss out on the comfort that comes from relationships. I want this. So let me address my junk from generations past so that I can show up and be fully present in this relationship. Accountability to self. That's good. That's something that um, Michaela and Gwyneth were talking about too, was like, you know, so much of this work has to do with um, us being self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, and us going into relationships, having done our own work. Right. So that we can um, communicate. What Michaela said was one aspect of communication is learning how not to trigger someone else's insecurities or trauma. Mm-hmm. But you got to be self-aware to be able to do that beauty must what was there anything else to say about family constellations no I just find it very interesting I do too it was cool to see I agree with every single little piece but I don't have to to see value in it so absolutely I liked it episode six was the last episode it's just a quick wrap up again we really hope y'all go watch this for yourself we giving y'all the cliff notes but it doesn't do it justice y'all got to see it for yourself Absolutely. But the last episode is called Fireworks. It started off again with Damon and Erica with Jaya. And I love that Jaya talked about integration and how we can do this work while we're here together. But it's simply an experience if you don't take it home with you. Yes. They talked about 
how to take it home by using a container. You want to talk about the container? Yeah. So the container that Jaya is talking about. So for them, they discover, you know, both of us are actually very highly energetic and energetic. And actually there was some kink that Damon actually liked. Ultimately, <laughs> it was kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like um, Damon found pleasurable was Erica finding her pleasure Mm -hmm. and so like it was tapping into these different realms of things uh that they hadn't considered before so because both of them enjoy energetic play and even a little bit of kink how is that then integrated into what their their lives actually look like and she did an awesome example uh, because he is an artist and so allowing Erica to be that artwork and seeing that play of you know that um the the different fabrics and like the brush strokes and yeah she was his canvas and he was yes it was painting on her body yes it was so beautiful um and basically Jaya is just driving home the point of how we have to continue to be innovative in our erotic lives Mm -hmm. um that was the biggest uh takeaway for me um and that yeah, the other thing that he talked about that I found very in- interesting, um, well, not even interesting, but like proud that he grasped this. He said he forgot about the orgasm that he had from their homework because he was just so into the ride and the pleasure that he completely forgot about like the penetration was just extra. It was the cherry on top, but he enjoyed the cake so much. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, yes, sir. Yeah, she said that Jaya said the same thing. She was like, that is the point. Like, yes. Like, because he came in here thinking sex, penetration, bada bing, bada boom. And he demonstrated in making that. Like, he didn't even mean to. He was like, oh, I forgot all about the orgasm. Because she was like, Erica's like, we both had an orgasm. And he was like, I forgot all about that. And she was like, you forgot. And Jaya was like, yes, that's good. He forgot because that wasn't his goal. His Touchdown. Yeah, that was beautiful. I love the painting exercise because I love that Jaya said that in integration, we should be taking something that we already use in our lives Mm -hmm. and then using it in sex. So Damon being an artist, like that was something that he could really get into. Yep. Um, And her liking um, the whole energetic aspect, you know, him painting on her body. And like you said, feeling the brush strokes and you know, he was like circling her nipple. And I mean, he's literally painting, but for her, this is a sexual experience. Yes. Yeah. So awesome. And guys, no, we didn't see her nipple. She had on undergarments. Oh yeah. No, he was. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you already know, you already know somebody was like, she was butt naked and y'all was watching nipples. We we want some nipples on there, saints, just prepare your heart. Oh yeah, the, this particular couple was not in in completely naked. Yeah, no. Get comfortable with your body, guys. It's just a nipple. We all have not them. watching porn. It's everyone relax. <laughs> oh, Father, help us. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I thought was really cool that Erica said um, was. <clears throat> They were talking about um, the sensual blueprint, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And Erica was saying, like, obviously, this is the use of 
all five of your senses. Um, so, oh, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. You talking about for all of the senses or all the blueprints? No, no, no. What is sensual one of the blueprints? Yeah. Okay. That's what she was talking about. Okay. So they were igniting all of the five senses. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm with so you. This is where she was blindfolded and he was like feeding yes. her and um, he was like using different things to make sounds. I mean, it was oh, like gosh, household so stuff, awesome. y'all. It was really cool. But Jaya noticed that Erica was really responsive to sound. And yes. so then she was like encouraging Damon to like make certain sounds like growling by her heart. And like that really set her off. Which is why I find that's why I found it interesting in the last episode when you had an aversion to the animal sounds. I did, and that was weird for me too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, him being like, uh huh. Okay. I, like, I think what it was, okay, let me be honest. In that scene, I noticed feeling some discomfort, like it was awkward, but mm-hmm. I think what I was feeling was he was making that sound for the first time and the first time he did it it sounded a little weird oh because he was like "Uh." (laughs) like he wasn't fully (laughs) committed committed but it was his first time ever doing that so it was awkward and I think what I felt was like the awkward tension and I was like oh that was weird but when we kept going the second time he did it it was spot on and she was like I like that yeah she was like yeah that one yeah so it was like we have to be willing to do what's uncomfortable and what will first come off as awkward to find what works but also that we can be silly and laugh at ourselves during the sexual experience that's true too Alicia we do take it too seriously I know I definitely have so yeah like I think having permission, I feel like this documentary really gave me permission to explore. Like as a Christian of having missionary sex, because that's what's free it, even though ain't none of us doing that. But anyway, <laughs> some people are. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me they do a missionary, but with sex toys. Uh, do what you, hey, come on, do what you have faith for. All right. <laughs> I think like one of the hugest things communicated overall was there's this entire world to explore Um, in sex, sexuality, intimacy. One of the things Jaya talked about when she was describing the container, she was saying like, think of the container as something that holds us in our erotic exploration. So when we come up with, um, a context or like what we might think of as like a game or you know I I don't know activity during sex think of that as a container to hold us in our explore in our erotic erotic exploration (laughs) she said but you can explore way out to the edges of that container absolutely and how there's so much breadth and depth in exploring and like how what stood out to me was when Erica said um, for her in the sensual play, the mystery of it was what was so refreshing for her. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing all this stuff with like toys to make sounds and like raking across her skin with different textures and feeding her different textures and sweet and savory. And for her having the blindfold on and not knowing what was coming next 
was what was refreshing for her. And I couldn't help but do this, Alicia. I said to myself, <laughs> anxiety for the saints, me included, oftentimes comes from the unknown. It's like the mysteries. I said this in a previous episode. Like I remember when the mysteries of God terrified me. Like, I didn't think that was dope that God don't tell us all the details. It was just like, I'm stressed at the sheer idea that I don't know what's coming next. But I heard it say that that was refreshing. I was like, ooh. But the reason why she could feel that it was refreshing is because she knew she was safe. Now that'll preach. Same with God. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I don't know how to trust God in the unknown and the uncertainty, how am I going to have that in my sexual relationship? Mm-hmm. And in her relationship with her husband, he demonstrated that she was safe and that's how she was able to relax and submit and surrender totally to the process and to him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Shall listen. Okay. Y'all need to watch the documentary. last couple we saw again on the last episode was Chandra and Camille Mm -hmm. with our lovely Darshana um this was another example of sex by work and really what I wanted to highlight from this was that Darshana continued to encourage Camille to tell me what you need and you will get it and she said you are ultimately in control and Camille was saying things like I don't mind if you do that or you know okay that's not too bad and Darshana said that's not the goal here we're not tolerating we're not saying I don't mind we're saying this is what feels good to my body this is what I want So really empowering her to explore what she wants, what she likes, what Mm -hmm. she's comfortable with, what she's uncomfortable with, and then speaking that out. Yes. Boldly and unashamed. Facts. And it took her several tries and it took her to become more and more comfortable until she was willing to say, even my feet are cold. And Darshana said, well, I'm going to get you a blanket because what you want is what you get. And what was cool about that to me was, again, like us thinking about some of the caricatures of women that we have bought into as Christians. Mm -hmm. This idea of a woman who is controlling, which oftentimes this happens, like I'm not going to act like this is not a thing, right? Right. I think sometimes we characterize women who are competent or who are vocal you know who are bold who are we'll say they're demanding we'll say they're controlling we'll say you know um they Isabel we'll say you know different things like that but what this woman was overcoming was a deep sense of shame um And she really had to be empowered to the point of Darshana saying, you in control for her to have that switch go off in her mind to say, I can ask for what I want and need. 
and we don't want to it's like we're afraid to give women like any sense of agency autonomy or control like we're afraid and somebody in the documentary i think it was actually darshana talked about okay some history around like even anatomy where like in the 1800s I think she said the Victorian during the Victorian era, they removed anything having to do with female anatomy from textbooks, from science, from all of that. Unless it was about reproduction. Yes. Because that's all y'all here for. Yes. So she's like, women used to be much more attuned with their body, the rhythms of their body. And then we had this wave of removing that from education. And so now women are being stripped in a sense of any sense of embodiment or empowerment because we view that as threatening or dangerous the other thing that she said was she was talking about how yoni is sanskrit and how there is not an equivalent english word to fully describe it and so what is the yoni it's the vulva come on so All yeah, like, we don't even want to talk about the fullest extent or expression or experience of the vulva. Mm-hmm. We don't even have a word equivalent to our to yoni in our language because we don't want women to have that sense of self-awareness, self-empowerment, because we see that as dangerous or detrimental. I like for the life of me, it's like I get how sometimes we go to extremes. But isn't it an extreme in the opposite direction to just try to completely eradicate any sense of empowerment? But isn't that what people who are empowered tend to do with anything? Yeah. If if it's going to make me feel less powerful, I'm going to diminish it to the point of demonize you. Yeah. Yeah. That cannot be godly. I'm sorry, because the people who came in and did that was religious. I'm just, let's just say it. There were religious people who came in and enforced and imposed dogma. And it's like, we don't have to go that far. I understand there's boundaries and lines, okay? I understand we ain't all about to be out here just all this, you know, completely and utterly depravedly, sexually, you know, liberated and stuff. But it's like, we are causing women to experience such deep levels of shame and guilt around this that they can't even enjoy it with their husbands. We got to force and coerce women to in marriage to have sex with their husbands. And then turn around and say, well, because you're not having sex with me, I'm going to go cheat on you. That ends this episode. I'm not doing <laughs> <laughs> No, watch for real. the documentary y'all watch. I was literally about to say that y'all if you go into it with an open mind and despite if you disagree with certain things take from it what you can and operate from the the perspective of two things are true I don't agree with this but I can still take something from it mm-hmm. I think it can change your life not just your sexual life but your life that's good. That's a great distinction to make, Alicia. We are obviously here to talk about good sex, but we really believe that this is just um, a part of a critical part, but a part of what makes our marriage 
um, amazing and full mm-hmm. and an experience that's not full work. It's work. Yeah. But it's yeah. some joy and some pleasure in that joy. And we believe that that is God's, a part of God's intention for this. Um, and so that's why we want to talk about this. And um, this isn't a necessarily like Christian documentary at all. Um, I know that that can, you know, sometimes make it a little bit dif- difficult to press in. But I think you can go into it with your personal convictions and belief. Um, and like Alicia's, you know, saying and sentiment, eat the meat and spit out the bones. It's not all going to be for you. And that's OK. I also think as Christians, us making space to observe or understand as best we can other people's experiences make us better witnesses of Christ and um, and better preachers of the gospel, yeah. teachers of the gospel like do we want to win people to Christ or not? If we do, we would need to meet people where they are. And so, for example, us as counselors, um, us at church, when people come and visit, you know, us on our jobs, when someone has a different, um, you know, belief or expression or whatever, like these are our opportunities to show up as Jesus did and, win them to Christ you know with love with love and I think that us not understanding has a lot to do with us not being educated in some respect so this documentary can expose you to some things um, that might help with that it might help with that so that was too much (laughs) yo (laughs) listen it was so long we had to break it into two parts so thank y'all for engaging with us um but most of all you know thank you for just remembering that god gave us the good the good sex it's still god's idea period poo (laughs) <laughs> see y'all on the next one <laughs> thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the good sex podcast the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent the podcast is available on all major streaming platforms so make sure you download subscribe rate and review so that other people can find the content just like you did also don't forget to follow us and engage on facebook and instagram at the good sex podcast see you in the next episode